Ahoy! It's your boy, and welcome to episode 48 of the podcast, This Is M, which you can subscribe to on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Everywhere you find good podcasts, you can find this one. Take a minute, rate and review the show if you're already a fan. Give us five stars, write a couple sentences about why you like the podcast and why you think other people would like it also. That really helps us, as people poke around looking for new content, and most people are these days. You know, reading a couple positive reviews can really um, uh, tip the scales for them and get them to check out uh, a new a new podcast. So, uh, if you can do that for us, please do. And otherwise, think of one person in your life who you think would like the podcast and share your favorite episode with them. Let's see if we can't grow the audience uh, of this thing, especially as we're coming up on our first year uh, anniversary and we're moving into the second year. Let's see if we can kind of expand things from where they're at uh, today. Um Man, I don't know where you guys are listening to this podcast, but in the Bay Area, it is hot as shit, man. Whoo! Actually, I kind of feel weird saying that as someone who's from Tucson, Arizona, which is, if I if I called my mom right now in Arizona and told her that it was hot, and she asked what the temperature was, and I had to say it was 87 degrees, she'd probably laugh at me, because it's probably like 110 in Arizona right now, but what can I say? Your boy's acclimated to the area. And, uh, yeah, man, I went for like a seven mile walk with my girlfriend yesterday and it was just, it was really difficult. You know, thankfully I didn't burn. I got a lot of sun, but thankfully I didn't burn. But, um, but yeah, man, the weather's crazy. I'm literally, as I'm, as I was starting to record this, I heard thunder in the distance, which is very strange. I mean, we definitely get rain out here, but it started thundering in the middle of the night last night, probably like four in the morning. And it was just such a weird thing. It just... And until you hear it, it, I just hadn't really considered, you know, we get rain out here, but it's really very, very rare that we hear thunder. And, um, and I swear there at like four o'clock in the morning, there was just this huge rumble. It almost sounded like someone like dragging, um, big recycle, recycle bins and trash cans, those kind of roller types. I assume they have them where you are. I don't know, but those like they're, they're someone taking their trash cans out. You know, that sound, that low rumbling sound, it sounded like someone was dragging them right by our window. And it woke me up, and I know it woke up the, um, uh, my girl, my girlfriend basically has this in-law apartment, it's sort of in the basement of somebody's house, and you can kind of hear the, the owner walk around when they're, when they are up and about, and so it was like dead silent as I'm hearing this rumble, and I could tell it woke her up, because she's, I start hearing the, uh, the woman upstairs start walking around at like four in the morning, so, um, and it was completely unforecasted as far as we could tell. I mean, she and I are going camping tomorrow, so we were kind of looking at the weather and thinking, damn, man, it was so hot today. I hope it's not going to be this hot and muggy when we're camping. And no sign of rain. And then, of course, I, w- I wake up at four in the morning. I hear this thunder. I hear the rain start to fall. And I think, what the fuck? Could it really be raining? And then you look at the weather. I just open up the weather app on my phone. And all of a sudden, the forecast has completely changed, right? It's rain today. It's going to be raining later in the week. And you just think, it just goes to show you, man, the weathermen have no fucking idea what they're talking about. They're like psychics in that way. They can make as an educated guess, but it's like it's always going to be something different. I don't know. Maybe I'm being too hard on them. You know? Um, yeah, I mean, what the fuck are you going to do? It's the weather, right? It's the cosmos. It's, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's amazing we can even tell as much as we can about it, right? Oh, man. Although I'm sitting here now, I have no fan on, right? Because it's got to be silent. I'm one of these people, I, I, I constantly have to have a fan on me. One, I need the white noise. I don't, know if you, I don't know if you're like me, but it's like if I am in a room where there's no white noise, it's just too silent for me. It's hard for me to sleep in those types of environment. But I also need that constant breeze on me. I think it's something about running hot. Like I think in general, I just run hot. And, uh, I just, I kind of need to be cooled down. And I know it's kind of a cliche, like girls are always cold, guys are always hot, but that's like fucking really true in my opinion. Like when I go to sleep at night, my girlfriend just wants to like, she'll like throw her leg over my back and it's like within five seconds I'm sweating and I have to tell her like, babe, please, you're killing me. I feel like a, uh, like a fighter trying to drop weight. Like I saw this video, YouTube shows you the weirdest, (laughs) weirdest shit sometimes, but I saw some video on YouTube in the sidebar recently of some fighter who was like cutting weight for a fight and uh i don't know but it was like you know he's laying on the ground they basically put like wet towels on him and he just sort of sits there and he's got like he's like basically wearing like a plastic bag suit and it's like when they take these towels off he's just in literally in a pool of pool of his own sweat like trying to drop weight 
But that's what it feels like sometimes with my girlfriend. She'll like just throw her body over me. She's like a little chimpanzee. She's just so flexible. She'll just like throw her leg over me and it's like within five minutes I'm like sweating. Oh, but yeah, the weather, feeling hot. Yeah, it's weird too. Um, yeah, nor- I'm not normally the sleep in type, but um, yesterday and the weekend before, it's like me and my girlfriend both slept until 11 o'clock, which is insane. Like sleeping until 10 is late for me. Sleeping until 11 is fucking unheard of, which just goes to show you I must have needed it. And it's not like we were up late. I mean, we're up to like midnight or 1230 or something like that, but sleeping till like 11, 1130, fucking mental, man. Yeah, last weekend and this weekend, we went for these long walks, about seven miles long. My girlfriend moved into this new apartment, and I don't want to say we're over hikes. It's just I feel like we're taking a hiatus from them. Like, normally when we want to go for a hike, we'll go off into the woods nearby or something like that. But lately, since she's moved, we've just kind of been walking around the neighborhood. And, uh, yeah, I went for this long seven-mile walk along... Um, I don't know what you call it, like the Bay Trail, you know, we live in the, we live in the Bay Area, just kind of walking around the the edge of the Bay, and uh, it was hot as shit, man, and I tell you, man, you look at other parts of the Bay Area, or even other parts of California, where people are not really observing social distancing as much, and it sounds crazy, but it's like we turned some corner, and I didn't even really realize it was this close to us, but there was like a beach of sorts, and there was just so many people out there. And the truth is, you think, are they, you know, is it likely safe? Yeah, it's likely safe, but it just optically, it just does not, just does not look good. You know what I'm saying? In all actuality, it is likely safe, but it just doesn't look good. Um, I mean, uh, she and I got takeout food uh, last weekend, and that was, I think, you know, maybe the third or fourth time throughout the entire shelter in place that we've gotten food from a restaurant. And it's just not something I miss. You know, I don't get it. I, I talk to people who really need those types of things in their life. Like that really helps them feel human. You know, like they really want to go to that restaurant that they love. But it's like there's there's really no part of me that is eager to go to a restaurant now. I'll continue cooking at home. I'll continue going to the grocery store. That's fine. I feel safe doing that. But the idea of sitting in a restaurant trying to keep my distance from other people while my server is wearing a hazmat suit that just doesn't feel it's like i'll wait man if this is if we gotta do it if if you gotta send out a server who looks like he's he's trying to catch et do you remember that dude that used to freak the shit out of me when i was a kid that part of et where the dudes in the hazmat and the spacesuits are like coming to um is it eli who's the character's name i don't know they're trying to catch et at the home that's basically what it's like going to a fucking restaurant now you're at TGI Fridays and your fucking server looks like he's fucking, uh, he's just uh, switching shifts at Chernobyl. <laughs> so yeah, if that's, if that's what I got to endure to fucking get, um, some chicken strips and some fucking breadsticks at TGI Fridays, then I'll just wait. I don't know why that made me think though, dude, it's so, dude, it's fucking crazy. Did you guys have this restaurant with your family? Like when you were growing up, did you have a restaurant that your family always went to? And I don't, I guess I don't want to sound disparaging or whatever, but it's, it is insane to me when I look back on my childhood and I realized as a family of, uh, decent means to put it mildly, it's insane to me that our family restaurant was TGI Fridays. Every birthday we ever had for every member of our family was at TGI Fridays. I mean, we went to this fucking place all the goddamn time. And as a kid, it's like you don't know any better. Like, oh, it's just TGI Fridays. It's just where you go. But when I look back on that, I think that's fucking crazy. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't clear to me as a child that TGI Fridays is essentially an Applebee's. You know, they're not great restaurants. They're just, they're just chains. They, they, all, they, they all just sort of uh, push out the same fucking shitty food. And, uh... Yeah, I just think, you know, as someone who spent a lot of time in food service themselves, it, it just must have seemed insane to the people who worked there that they had these regular clientele. Like, who the fuck would come here all the time? Even when I worked at good restaurants, I was... I, I mean, I've been a regular at places. It's mostly been, like, bars and stuff, which kind of makes sense because you're looking to meet people or, what can I say, alcohol is something worth coming back for, I guess, on a regular basis. 
Um, and it's that kind of cheers mentality. You like to go to a place where people, you know, where everybody knows your name, that kind of fucking thing. But when it comes to dining out and just having dinner with the fam, it's like, I don't know. It's a certain type of person who becomes a regular at a place. We've actually talked about this. I don't know if it was Crime and Punishment, the super long episode, but I was, I was sort of thinking back on some other, one regular in particular, but I've been thinking about, you know, I've dissected the mentality of what it means to be a regular at a restaurant in other episodes, so I won't go into it here. But there's something about when you're an actual server, like for the servers at Fridays to see my family fucking coming all the time, they just, they, they just must have been like, what the fuck's going on? Like, why do these people keep coming back here? Don't, they're aware that there are other restaurants, yes? And knowing that, why do they settle on TGI fucking Fridays? It's insane. I do remember one time, this goes back to like, you know, it's just I, things that are crazy to me about my childhood. Um, I mean, first of all, I had a full-fledged fucking soda addiction when I was in like my early 20s. But that makes sense to me, considering as a kid, there was like no boundaries on what I could drink. And I remember being at TGI Fridays and fucking like, I must have just been like wolfing down soda. And the server, which I now realize was kind of like a passive aggressive move, like was sick and tired of like refilling my soda. So at one point she just brought a fucking pitcher. I don't know what I was drinking at the time. It was probably like Diet Coke or something like that. I mean, strangely, we were not raised on like regular soda. Like uh, Coca-Cola to me is still too sweet. Um, growing up, I was raised on Diet Coke. So if I, I, not that I drink Coke products, but if I had to, I'd probably go for a Diet Coke over a regular Coke, honestly. Um, but she just brings a pitcher of fucking soda. Like, I'm not fucking refilling your drink anymore. Like, here, use this if you want. Oh, Lord. But it's also weird. You look back on that time and you think, I wonder what those servers are up to now. You know? I mean, I'm 35 now. They must be... I don't know, man. I don't know. How old are those people now? I don't know. 55? Were they 20 years older than me at the time? Probably. Oh, man. But it's funny, too, when you're a kid, you think everyone's an adult. Like, I'm even when I was, like, 6 or 7, those people were probably, like, 18 to 24. And I, I thought they were all in their 40s. I mean, especially even now at 35. I mean, young people must look at me and think I'm in my fucking 40s or 50s, too. It's weird. It's like you want to, I don't know, you want to convince people, hey, I'm still young. I actually thanked my girlfriend. She referred to us as young. And I said, thank you for doing that, boo. I don't know that that's true, but thank you for doing that. Thank you for still referring to both both you and I as being young. That's helpful. Man. But yeah, we're going camping tomorrow. And we uh, went to the sporting, sporting goods store today to try to get some chairs and a sleeping pad for myself and... Um, we ended up buying a tarp. We got to pick up some shit tomorrow, but goddamn, dude, if there is one thing that is, you want to talk about privileged activities, if you go to a goddamn sporting goods store and just look at how much everything costs, like an REI or whatever the fuck, it's insane. It's insane how overpriced this shit is. Like, we were just looking at, like, folding chairs, and we were like, oh, they're probably cheap. We can just get a couple of those and, uh, uh, instead of renting them, you know, it'd probably be like five, six dollars a rent. We could probably just buy one for like 10 or $15. The cheapest folding chair. And I'm talking, dude, when you, when you picture like an outdoor folding chair, I'm not talking like the, the wicker lawn chairs. I'm talking like the fabric, you know, blue fucking folding chair. The cheapest one they had was $36. And I was like, fuck that shit. That's insane. The most, dude, you could get folding chairs as much as $180, and they didn't look that much fucking different, you know what I'm saying? But it's like, that's insane to me. Sleeping pads. You could get a cheap one for $20, they were all side out, but you, if you want for a sleeping pad for camping, you could spend as much as $395. That's more expensive than a fucking mattress. And tents? Dude, don't even get me fucking started, it's crazy. Like, when me and my girlfriend were like, oh, we should maybe do some more camping or something, and we were looking around on YouTube for, like, tents, and I think I was talking about this, actually. Who the fuck are the people that make these videos where they just sort of talk about tents? I don't know. And it's not just, like, their camping-themed channel. They happen to do a bunch of other shit. They do, like, unboxings. They do some other stuff, and then they happen to show off their tents. Hey, guys, I just want to do a video showing off my family tents. You're like, okay. But anyway, we ended up getting, like, a three-person tent for, like, $30 on Amazon. And, uh, but you look at like tents at like sporting goods stores, it's insane. You're not going to spend less than like $70 for like a one person tent. It's fucking ridiculous, man. 
<sighs> so anyway, I don't know what the moral of the story is. It, it's hard. I don't. I don't know how to compete, man. People are telling you not to, to spend money on Amazon. It's like, I don't know, man. With, with the prices, it just. I, I don't know. I don't know how you can go anywhere else for the most part. Like I remember one time I was at Target. I maybe maybe, maybe I've told the story also, but it's just funny to me that there's so many people, especially out here in the Bay Area, who are the most vehemently anti-corporate, right? And I remember I had, I'm thinking of one friend in particular who was especially that, right? Like non-GMO, super crunchy, super granola, um, very hippy dippy. And I remember I was at Target one time and bumped into her and her first, the first thing out of her mouth was an apology for being at Target. Like I give a shit. It's like, I'm seeing you here. I think I was there. I was probably buying like a fucking new, uh, uh, two things, dude, for a while, man, now my mind's going in a few places, but I had these, I, you know, when you cut your own hair, like when you shave your head like I do, it's like clippers fucking suck. Unless you want to shell out for some real quality hair clippers that you really take care of. It's like you got to buy new clippers like every six months to a year. So I, I'm always going to fucking Target to get some fucking new hair clippers. Um, but for a while too, um, I was using this um, uh, no shave like hair cream, right? Like you, It's like Nair for your fucking head. You basically just like put it on your head you let it sit for a little bit and you wipe it off and you're fucking bald. Um, I was using that shit for a minute. So that's probably what I was picking up at Target. But I bump into my super country granola friend and she's just like, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm at Target. Well, you can't beat the prices. And I was like, yep, that's basically it in a nutshell. <clears throat> you know, it's you either come to Target and pay nothing for it or you go somewhere else and fucking, you know, you have to basically give away your firstborn child for a fucking uh, folding chair. So it's like I probably could go on Amazon or Target and get the same folding chair for $5, or I can go to fucking REI or Sports Basement or whatever the fuck and spend $40 for it. Anyway, man, I don't know what the fuck we're going to talk about, folks. I was talking with our, our MVP, Matt, and he was saying that he really enjoyed the last couple episodes, and I think we were both speculating. You know, hmm, I wonder if, if waiting to the last minute to do it you know, waiting until Sunday to record it, maybe there's a sense of immediacy that comes up or, or something, and you're having this sort of, you know, it has to be none now, and for some reason that sort of helps with the episode. But uh, today is also Sunday. The episode's going up in about 10 hours. And uh, I gotta be honest with you, I just, I, I feel kind of drained. I'll tell you what it is, though. Actually, I, I know exactly what the fuck's going on. I, uh, I'm about a week into my two-week vacation, so tomorrow will be, you know, the beginning of my second week of vacation. And I have not enjoyed it. Um, I've really been down in the dumps. And uh, um, I mean, I, I've talked about this job interview thing that happened and how I didn't get the job that I wanted. And um, I guess I just didn't anticipate how much that would have affected me. You know, I i mean, I knew I'd be disappointed, but I... It, yeah, I don't know. It's just really impacted me. And... Um, that was kind of fine for the first couple of days. And then, um, I'm trying not to go into too, too many specifics here, but there, um, even though I didn't get that one job, there was, there were some other positions that opened. And so I was still able to roll over my application to some of these other jobs. But on Wednesday morning, I get a call from the program director who doing the right thing. I mean, I'm glad he did this, but just letting me know that I did not get the, the other job. And it was like, the minute he told me that I knew my day excuse me, I knew my day was kind of ruined. And, um, and, uh, it just kind of hit me in the gut. And the minute I got off the phone with him, I was like, God damn it. And I swear there's just been like a rain cloud over my head since then. And I wasn't planning on seeing my girlfriend that night, which was fine. Um, I just kind of stayed home and was fucking just kind of a fucking little Oscar the Grouch or whatever. But even the next day it was like, I was just kind of moping around. I'm having trouble focusing on shit. I can't enjoy myself. You know, the minute I say, well, what, what, it's your vacation, Kyle, do something you want, you know, I'll try to play a game or I'll fuck around with my synthesizer or something like that. And it's like after 15 or 20 minutes, it's like, I just, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm wasting my time. You know, I'm, I'm already thinking about what I should be doing instead of what I want to do. It's very hard for me to just let myself do what I want. And, um, and so, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's been difficult. I, 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 I don't know. I, I was really hoping that this two weeks would be restorative for me. I really, 
you know, thought I was going to enjoy kind of having nothing to do. But the truth is, it's been very difficult. I have not enjoyed it a great deal. And, um, and, uh, yeah, even now, just sitting here doing the podcast, I, I feel very, um, checked out, you know, and kind of deflated. Yeah. And I, I, honestly, I just feel like a lot of things are kind of proving to be disappointing. I mean, I'm worried about our camping. You know, we're going camping tomorrow. I'm worried about the weather. You know, if we end up showing up and it's like damp because it's been raining and it's like humid and muggy and uncomfortable, like that's going to be a fucking drag. I mean, we were making dinner last night and it was a complete fucking bust and it just felt like, well, that's about right. Everything else the last couple of weeks has been disappointing. We tried to make these, uh, well, two things. I tried to make these, you know, basa is a type of fish. She had these uh, fish fillets that I tried to cook. I don't know what the fuck was wrong with them. I think uh, maybe 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 they were frozen a little too late, but they were just not good. The skin was very hard. They didn't even feel like they, you know, they didn't even flake when they were cooked. It just got super dry, and I don't know. I think the fish went bad, honestly. So we couldn't even eat that. We tried to make these cauliflower cauliflower fritters, which were, I don't know, disappointing. Dude, the problem with healthy food, and I just feel this way, like cauliflower is definitely one of these, but it's like you try to trick yourself into like taking something that you do enjoy, like hash browns, say, and try to make it healthier. So you say, oh, I'll make some like cauliflower fritters. And these motherfuckers look like hash browns. But how disappointing is it when you cut into it and you try to, because your your brain sees hash brown, and so that's what you're expecting. You're expecting when you take a bite, you're going to get some of that good oily potato goodness, and you get fucking cauliflower. And you're like, well, this sucks. And to make it palatable, it's like you want to douse the thing in salt. But that's not good either. So I don't know, man. And the trouble, too, is you get these recipes when you're looking for these kind of healthy recipes. All the websites that they come from are these kind of like lifestyle brand cooking websites, usually mothers. And they, have, they all adopt the same kind of like bubbly, fresh, clean uh, attitude, you know, it's like they got healthy recipes, they got yoga videos and all that sort of shit. And I remember for this one in particular, it was this woman, first of all, they never just give you the goddamn recipe. They always have like a, it's always prefaced by this super long blog post about their life and how they love cauliflower. And there's like an exclamation point at the end of every sentence. Cause they're super bubbly and energetic. They just had a fucking, uh, uh, you know, uh, coffee enema earlier that morning. So everything's just fucking great. And, uh, and, uh, you know, this one was like, oh, I just love cauliflower. When I, when I make this special recipe, it's like, oh, I can just, I can just eat it out of the tray like French fries. And you're like, you, you can't be that fucking stoked about cauliflower. It just doesn't fucking work that way. You know what I mean? Like when I look at like Instagram and I see girls who are just posting photos of their food, which is always healthy. Like they're just fucking over the moon about their Carol salad. That's how I know they have a fucking eating disorder. Right? Because nobody gets that fucking stoked about healthy food. It just doesn't work that way. We're not evolved to work that way. Like, leafy greens are good. We like it. It may taste fine. But it, it's not fucking primal, you know? Like, we love sugar. That's how we're evolved. It's, it's horrible for our health now that we have it in such good supply. But it is a deep-seated need of ours. Fats and oils and all that sort of shit. We love that shit. Our body literally craves it. Because when those things were in short supply, if you could get if you could get your hands on those things, it was good sustenance, man. You could fucking, you know, pack that shit away and fucking draw on that for a while. You know, leafy greens are an ample supply, always have been. So we're not fucking we're not wired to crave them that way. Oh my gosh! And also, when I see people take photos of food, I just go, "Oh, you're gonna poop that out later." <laughs> Right? Like someone has like, uh, I don't know, they take a picture of their food and I just go, I'm just, I'm already just picturing them on the toilet, which is weird. I don't know what that means, but I I do. Like we were walking yesterday with my girlfriend and uh, you find all these spots in public that are just like spray painted up. It's never good spray paint. It's always just some kids who've never spray painted before in their life, but this is where they go to spray paint. It's always in like the public parks or the public hiking trails. You just find this super horrible graffiti. But I saw one guy, his tag name, we saw it, I I saw it in a couple places. His name was Beans. B-E-A-N-Z. And every time I just saw this tag, it said beans. I just thought fart. You know? It's like, God, this guy really needs a fucking branding manager. You can't tag your name beans everywhere because everyone's just going to think farts. Fucking crazy people. 
Although, again, the guy who uh, decided a good artist name would be M the Heir Apparent has no business telling people what to fucking call themselves. I mean, looking back on my life when I think, hmm, why weren't you successful? One, I think changing my artist name three times is a fucking big part of that. But the names I chose, too, I, I don't... M the Heir Apparent does not roll off the tongue very fucking easily, does it? Probably not a strong choice for an artist name. Why can't I just call someone like Madonna or Prince? Just a one word, very easy, that people can remember. Why do I have to go all highfalutin on it? Although it's funny, when I'm thinking about heir apparent, I mean, I've, I, it really comes from like Chinese philosophy. And uh, I'm thinking about that because I was FaceTiming with my brother yesterday and he was asking about my vacation. And I was telling him, it's kind of been a disappointment. And he was like, yeah, well, how are you, how, how are you spending your time? Are you reading anything? And I'm like, yeah, I'm rereading some stuff. And he's like, oh, yeah, no wonder your fucking vacation sucks. You're just spending time reading shit you've already read. Like, why don't you do something new? But I was, uh, on another episode, I recommended this book to everyone. It was called The Four Books. And it's by this guy, Daniel Gardner. And it's, uh, it's a survey of, you know, the four classics. Uh, the Analects, the Mencius, Doctrine of the Mean, and The Great Learning. And uh, I was rereading that. But it sort of reminded me around that time or maybe i probably read this like probably a year after i was <clears throat> writing and performing as in the air apparent but um but uh that's the phrase you know the, the people who were schooled in the chinese classics they're usually referred to as the air apparent you know um the eldest male in the family would be would be educated in the confucian classics so that's kind of where the name comes from but uh but anyway man I don't know. Honestly, I feel insecure talking about it. <laughs> yeah, but what else is going on? I don't know. I was talking about a string of terribles, right? Cooking sucked. What else happened? Oh, dude, I had this um, super embarrassing thing. So me and my girlfriend, um, I think a lot of couples do this. Um, you know, we uh, for us, 11-11 is a thing. If we're together and one of us notices that the time is 11-11, we'll like go, oh, 11-11 and we'll, we'll kiss. Or we'll text it to each other sometimes. It's like just like a little gesture of affection or whatever. You know, eleven eleven with a little kiss emoji. But um, the other night I was home and I noticed it was eleven eleven at night, and so I text it to my girlfriend. And it was one of these moments where you ever lock your keys in your car, and it's like you're getting out of your car, and as you're closing the door, you see the keys on the dry on, on the on the like I don't know the driver's side seat or something like that. And you're literally thinking as you're closing the door, hey, those are my keys. I need to stop what I'm doing right now. But you, it's like you're, you're, you've already begun the motion. You can't stop. It was literally like one of those things. As I was hitting the send button, I was noticing that I was actually sending it to my neighbor's uh, wife <laughs> because um, I basically live in their backyard. And so what I'll do is if they happen to get like an Amazon package or something and I see it, I'll sort of take it into the backyard so it's excuse me, so it's safe and I'll, I'll leave it on their back steps or whatever. But it was like I had texted her earlier in the day, like, oh, there's an Amazon package on the back seat for you. So that was like the, that was the, uh, the last person I had texted. And so as I'm hitting center, I realize I'm, I'm, I'm in our, I'm in the same conversation. I'm in the text exchange with my neighbor's wife. And it's like, as my thumb is coming down on the send button, I'm going, Oh, you're about to send this to the wrong person. You should not do this. But it's like, I can't stop myself. And the minute it goes Boop, and gets sent, I just go motherfuck. And it's like, as it's, as it's getting sent, I'm already typing the apology text. And <laughs> it's like, whoops, this was meant for my girlfriend. <sighs> so that was embarrassing. And the worst part too is they never responded. Like I think the the right thing to do in those moments is to text text back and go, "Oh, easy mistake. How it happens to all of us." You know, something like that. But but no response. It's like, "Oh, now I just get to feel uncomfortable the next time I see you." So anyway. But uh yeah. So what have we learned except I don't know. I'm expecting tomorrow to be kind of a shit show when it comes to camping. <clears throat> excuse me i'm fully expecting the weather to be bad i'm expecting it to rain well i'll tell you what i'm at least expecting it to be hot and uncomfortable but i would not be surprised if it also happened to rain because apparently you know the people with the forecast don't know what the fuck's going on although even as i'm complaining about that i'm also secretly hoping that it does rain and that i don't have to go camping is that weird 
like my thing in in life is like my gut impulse for everything is no like my girlfriend goes do you want to go camping what i think is no (laughs) but it's like sometimes i have to stop myself and think well what would a normal human being want to do in these circumstances and it's like well they'd probably want to go camping and i also know that when i actually do do it i've always enjoyed it so it's like even though my first impulse is no i should say yes and even though there's some hassle, you know, you got to get the shit together. You got to drive out there. You got to sleep in the woods. Usually once you're out there, you enjoy it. And, uh, but there's still that part of me. There's still that part of me that secretly hopes that it rains. And then I, you know, I get out of it, so to speak, so that I can just like live my life at home and just kind of do what I always do. I'm such a negative person. I worry about that sometimes, actually. How did this come up with me and my girlfriend? Oh, this is actually kind of interesting. This kind of, at the same time that I was, um, uh, I basically had to, for this job interview that I didn't get, I had to prepare this presentation. And, um, and, uh, again, my brother was super helpful about that. And actually when I was FaceTiming with him yesterday, I noticed this interesting book. I don't know, the cover of some book he had out on the sofa was winking at me. And it was, a uh, something about public speaking. But um, anyway, that, that's something my brother should really c- consider doing seriously. Um, he is a really good coach about that stuff, and it's a topic, for whatever reason, he's very passionate about. So um, so good for him. But um, uh, what was I talking Negativity. Why did I rope my brother into that? Oh, I don't know. The point is, is uh, at the same time, I was preparing this presentation for this job interview, which my brother was helping me with. Um I also had a final presentation for my communications class. And one of the things that we had to do was basically create um, an experiment. We had, to, some, we had to change some aspect of our interpersonal communication and just sort of document, um, uh, document the impact it had. Now, what I'm going to tell you is not what I told my teacher, but uh, I basically made the whole thing up. You know, I was preparing for this job interview. I had no fucking time. You know, I'm working full time. Um, I have... I don't have the fucking capacity to fucking run a fucking week-long experiment on my interpersonal communication. But what did happen is um, uh, we're watching Disney Plus. Basically, we signed up for Disney Disney Plus because we want to watch Hamilton. Hamilton is a musical that many people in my life love and have been super evangelical about and are telling me, oh, man, you got to check it out. You love Hamilton. And it's like about like a year or two ago, someone did play me one of the songs from Hamilton. And I thought, oh, that's pretty interesting. It was the song, uh, You'll Be Back. It's the King's song. And it's not like many of the other songs in the show because it's more Queen, British Invasion, um, instead of the sort of, and I'm, I'm using big fucking air quotes, rap music that the rest of the show is. But it's still stuck in my mind. And so when when uh, Hamilton, basically this filmed performance of it is now out on Disney+, Plus. I said, you know what? It'd be worth signing up for Disney Plus just to finally check this fucking thing out. So I'm watching it with my girlfriend. And even though, look, Hamilton is one of the biggest fucking musicals of all time. One of the biggest musicals of all time. It is, it is literally a cultural, it's a contemporary cultural phenomenon, right? And this thing is being beamed into my home through the convenience of the internet in my girlfriend's fucking apartment. And yet here I am being spoon-fed this fucking cultural phenomenon, and it's like, I can't help but punctuate it with my criticisms. You know? I'm saying things like, oh, it's a bit uneven, isn't it? Or this isn't really rap music. Or could you imagine... Could you imagine having to sing this fucking song seven nights a week for three fucking years? How fucking annoyed would you be of the show by that point? And my girlfriend... You know, she's teasing me affectionately, but she goes, you, you know, you couldn't go one day without saying something some negative, could you? And I thought, that's it. That's what my fucking experiment's going to be, or what I'm going to pretend it is anyway. You know, I'm going to go, or I'm going to pretend I'm going to go one week without saying anything negative. And the presentation and the experiment that I supposedly ran was all a bunch of bullshit. But um, I guess what it did get me thinking about is this idea that, you know, you know negativity is not great. You know, we talk a lot of shit about negativity. But there's something, actually, maybe it goes back to my fucking complaining about, um, you know, the, the lifestyle brand websites that extol the virtues of kale and girls who take photos of themselves enjoying fucking uh, um, acai bowls and all that sort of shit. 
that's not who people really are. Like, that's who we present ourselves to the world as. But there's something about negativity and criticism that I think is very important. And I don't think it's necessarily a sign of being involved to not have those things or to be, if you're perpetually positive, you have a fucking personality problem. Do you get that? If you are perpetually positive, you have a personality problem. And I actually think there's a lot of unobserved virtue, or um, there's a lot of good things about being negative. And so I had this thing. I think, you, you can tell me if you disagree, but I think there's a couple points to keep in mind here. I think positive feelings are often superficial. And it doesn't mean that they're not true. I just mean that they're superficial. Like, there is just it just is the case that as you become more um, intimate with somebody, as you become more familiar with them, you share deeper and deeper layers of yourself with them. And as you do that, you share those things that are a little more vulnerable. And the reason it's very easy to share negative feelings with people, or to share positive feelings with people, rather, is that they're not going to hurt anyone's feelings. You know, we can share those with anybody all day long. You know, to, to adopt a sort of, uh, um, you know, a positive social lifestyle brand or whatever is very, uh, uh, it's very safe, right? You're not going to ruffle anyone's feathers. Um, but there's something about negativity and criticism that is more personal. And it's actually, you know, like when I'm with my girlfriend and we're watching Hamilton and I'm sharing my criticisms, it's not like this is, you know, I would not do this if we were in a theater, obviously, but this is something I'm sharing with my girlfriend because it's a safe place for me to do that in. It's a, what I'm saying is me sharing my negative perspective, my criticisms is a form of intimacy. Now it gets on her fucking nerves, like no doubt about it. But still, the impulse—it's a—it's a—it's sort of an intimacy gesture, which is, oh, here's this—here's this thing that I feel, this genuine response I have to this thing that I would not share in any other context, right? Because it has the power to hurt people. I'm like, there are people in my life who love this fucking show that I would never share this opinion with because they would take it personally. But here, between you and I, like, let me share my criticism of the show. So. There's something, yeah, there's something about sharing your negativity and your criticism. Hell, even on this podcast, like I worry this thing is just uh, too much negativity. But I think that that's, look, you're listening to this in isolation. You're probably not broadcasting this, this to the public, and you shouldn't be, by the way. But I think so much of what we consume in our private lives is very different from who we pretend to be in public, you know? And I think that, um, and uh, I think it's because there's something about negativity, there's something about complaining, you know, that is, it's a part of who we really are. And it's kind of a, a form of, a, you know, if I just came on here and was talking about body, body positive this and all the good things that are going on and like that to me is just, it's so hard to maintain, you know, it would just be like work, you know, and that's not what this is supposed to be. <clears throat> I also think complaining is cathartic. You know, there's a, there's a catharsis to complaining. I mean, I think so much, many of us go through our lives having to sort of stifle ourselves so much that there's something, I don't know, it's, I think about our MVP, Matt. Like, when I talk with Matt, most of our conversations are us just sort of trading gripes, you know? Like, he's complaining about his life, I'm complaining about my life. And it's not like we're just uh, throwing a pity party for ourselves, it's, it's cathartic. It's nice to talk about the things in your life that are making you unhappy. You know, it's nice to have a place that you can share those feelings with someone. I mean, and, and it's not just, um, you know, it's not just this sort of therapeutic, like, you know, it, it's not so, uh, I don't know, it's not so heavy, you know, it's, uh, I don't know, it's cathartic. It's just, it's, uh, it's freeing to talk about the things in your life that are bothering you. So it's a good thing. Anyway, I'm not sure what point I was driving at necessarily, except a lot of people talk. A lot of people are negative on negativity, but you know what? I'm positive on negativity. Man, my legs are falling asleep here. <sighs> what else, folks? I don't know, man. We're only about 40 minutes into this thing, and I already feel like, damn, I do not know how we're going to get through the fucking end of this podcast. One thing I will say that's been pissing the shit out of me is, uh, what's up with people who do this sort of episodic texting? It happens at work. It happens on the phone all the time. 
My thing is, is I know no one wants to be like a grandpa where you send someone a whole big block of text, right? Like that's kind of lame too. But don't do the fucking thing where you're texting at me and you're hitting enter or send after every sentence that you type. I get this on the I am at work. It's like I literally, when there are a few people who it's like when they send me a message, I have to wait five minutes to make sure they got everything out. Because it's like they'll, they'll send me something that I'd, it's feasible that I respond to that. And then halfway through my response, they send me two or three other things. And it's like, look, man, I'm just going to fucking hang back. You know, and don't expect a fucking response. Like, you need to fire a single fucking question at me and then let me respond. You know, you can't compound this shit. And don't fucking, don't extemporize. Don't make a statement that you're wanting me to respond to and then just fucking keep adding on to it. Send it all at once so that I can fucking just digest everything at the same time. I, I, you know, I, I do, I get in these exchanges sometimes where I just have to show my phone to my girlfriend and say, look at this fucking shit. This person just fired 10 fucking texts at me. I know it doesn't look great to have it be one big body text, but please just do that. I'd much prefer it. Yep. Oh, folks, I don't know. I am surrendering to the silence, hoping that something comes out of it. Rather than trying to just fucking run on this treadmill for you. I was watching the most recent Joe Rogan podcast and they had the comedian Ron Funches on there. Do you know who that is? <clears throat> but he said, um, I, I, I mean, as uh, Joe Rogan is somebody that I'm sort of on the fence about most of the time. Like, I, I think, you know, he has a great platform, very successful. Um, you know, honestly, maybe it's just like anything else. You hear enough of somebody, you just kind of can anticipate their show. And um, maybe that's just kind of where I've fallen in with the Joe Rogan podcast. But um, I also have noticed that his guests have become increasingly sycophantic. You know, as he's become more and more successful, it's like every guest has to take like 10 minutes out, just like kiss his ass a little bit, which is kind of weird. Um, but um, this dude, Ron Funch, has had this great thing where he was talking about his writing process for comedy where he said that usually if he doesn't have an idea, he'll just sort of sit there and he'll just make like three categories. What do I love? What do I hate? What what am I afraid of in my life right now? What am I loving? What am I hating? And what am I afraid of? And I thought that would actually be a pretty interesting way to sort of go about this podcast moving forward. Because, you know, we've done it for a year now. I've tried going completely, you know, I mean, it definitely is a stream of consciousness podcast. You know, I still stick to that. I mean, I sit down and we just sort of start talking about whatever I start talking about. But I have experimented, you know, with like trying to take notes throughout the week so that when I sit down, I have a couple bullet points that I hit. And we've done that successfully. We've also done that unsuccessfully. And um, I don't know, there was something about that that made, as I'm sitting here in silence thinking, what the fuck am I going to talk about? And I think, you know, are there things that I can do throughout the week? to sort of prepare for the podcast. Because even though this is a stream of consciousness podcast, I really do want it to be entertaining. And uh, I think, you know, maybe th- maybe those are good things to, exercises to do throughout the week. You know, sit down at some point and hit those three categories. Like, what am I loving right now? What am I hating right now? And then what am I scared of? I like that idea too, because I think there's this idea with comedy that we think it's just about being funny. And it is. I mean, it definitely has to be fucking funny. But the truly funny shit, the stuff that really sticks, is the stuff that's deeper. Like, I don't think people realize that Dave Chappelle is very subversive. Like, if you go back and look at... Well, there's two things. If you go back and look at his earlier comedy specials, you could fucking play them now, and they're completely fucking relevant. And I think part of that is that a lot of the issues that he speaks to, the social ills, whether it's racism or whatnot, that he speaks to are enduring issues. So, I mean, you know, it says more about our inability to sort of correct these problems probably as well, but... 
you know, he engages with these things in kind of a subversive way, which is he, he sort of, there is a greater truth folded into the joke. And you can listen to the joke on a couple levels. You can listen to it and laugh because it's just fucking funny. But if you really let it sink in, you can, it can also raise your consciousness, you know? And I think, uh, I think it's interesting to hear Ron Funches talk about this. Like, when he starts writing comedy, he doesn't start from the perspective of what's funny. He starts writing about his feelings, you know, and hopefully comedy will come out of that. Because if you really want to land in a certain way as a, as a comedian, you have to be funny. But it's like, to really stick in people's minds, you have, to, you have to speak truth. I mean, I think we've talked about this before. I mean, I think Jerry Seinfeld said in his documentary, Comedian, you know, comedy is all about reminding people about things they already knew were funny, but forgot were funny. You know, it's like even his observational comedy. He talks about everyday experiences that people have, whether it's airplane food or airport security or, but it's things that we all experience and are frustrated by. And it's like someone stands up there and says, Hey, what about this thing that we all experience that nobody ever fucking talks about? Isn't that fucking weird? And people go, Oh yeah, shit, that shit is fucked up. You know, and there's something, and maybe this is a part of negativity too. You know, the only chance you really have, I think, of winning people's hearts and minds is not sharing the same ideals as them, not shooting at the same target as them in terms of who we want to be, but being honest about who we are and where I'm at right now. <clears throat> I mean, you got to have those things. You have to have goals for yourself. You have to have things that you're shooting for. But I think if you want to win people's hearts and minds, you have to be honest about where you're at today. And especially in the bad ways, especially in the ways that you fall short. You know, to me, there's nothing... When I, when I look at the lifestyle blog and it's a mom who's super, you know, over the moon about kale and, uh, you know, her ability to call, eat, eat cauliflower like french fries, it's like, maybe that's great for other people who are on that same level, but it's not for me. You know, and I mean, I'm sort of... I. I <laughs> I guess I was thinking about this, and you know, there was one episode where I addressed one of the negative critiques that we have on, on iTunes, where somebody was saying that this is just a platform where I brag about my life, but I really think that person really misses the point, you know, because that's, I mean, I, you know, of course I'll share my successes with you, I'll share about things that I'm happy about, but I think we probably spend more time talking about things that I'm, my disappointments, and the ways in which I, I struggle with my life right now. You know, I mean, the big thing coloring my life, at least the last week or so has been not moving forward in my job. Was I, dude, was I just talking about this, uh, not having control in our lives? I swear, I, whether it's between my girlfriend or my brother or my friend, I have so many of these conversations. I don't know what, what the fuck I'm talking about on the podcast or I was even saying therapy has been disappointing for me because now I already have an hour a week where I, I just sort of talk about my feelings. Um, it's actually made therapy more difficult for me, but, um, so if I'm literally repeating something I was talking about 40 minutes ago, I apologize. Um, but, um, and now I don't even know what the fuck it was. Um, negativity. Wow. Major brain fart. Um, where I'm at in my life. This podcast being about me sharing my failures as much as my successes. Yeah, I don't know. I was saying that the thing that's colored my perspective is not having this job. Jesus, man, I don't know. I have this sometimes too when I listen back on the podcast. I, I hear my brain fart and it's like I know why it happened because I lived it. But I always think, man, you were so close to it. You were You were heading in a good direction and then you were human and not a robot and got distracted and now you don't know what the fuck you were talking about. Now you'll never make that point again. <sighs> just and I was just lamenting. I was I was literally just thinking as I was getting on that topic. I was like, "Wow, you had a brain fart there about ten minutes ago. Now you are really getting onto something that could really take you through the rest of the podcast." And poof, it's fucking gone. God damn! Who says I spend my time talking about my successes here? I feel like a bumbling in it idiot most of the time that I'm on this fucking microphone. Yeah, what was I talking about? sharing your foibles with people. I don't fucking know. The bullshit about getting excited about having a fucking lifestyle blog where you're talking, you're stoked about eating kale. 
and acai bowls. <sighs> yeah, I don't know what to say, except I, I feel like the thing that's colored this podcast, <clears throat> really since it started was, uh, you know, from the perspective of somebody who didn't make it in their creative career, was trying to transition into doing something else, was going back to school. And yeah, dude, your boy's fucking kicking ass in school, no doubt a fucking about it. But, you know, there's so much of our life that's outside of our control. Maybe this is what I was getting at. Um, I think one thing that we're all experiencing, I, I yes, I think this is the part that I was worried that I was repeating, but... The macro aspect of, well, first of all, I just think as, as we get older, I think we all have to come to terms with the fact that our life is not going to be what we thought it was. And I don't just mean that our dreams aren't going to come true. I mean, even if your dreams come true, they're not going to make you feel the way you think they're going to make you feel. I've met many successful people who are fucking miserable. They have everything they ever wanted and they're fucking miserable. They have everything that you've ever wanted for yourself and they're fucking miserable. And part of the disappointment is getting close to these people and and if you're being honest with yourself, realizing that, oh, I could have all that too and not be happy. Um, And so I think something that just happens as a part of getting older is realizing that your life's not going to turn out the way you thought it was going to be. And certainly that's true. You know, most of us want to be fucking astronauts or we want to be, you know, the first uh, female president or whatever. Okay, so none of those things are going to happen. It just doesn't happen for most people. Or you want to be a rock star. Yeah, it's just never going to fucking happen. Um, Maybe there are things you could have done differently, but it just, uh, regardless, it just is the case that most people who want to do that, it just doesn't fucking happen for. Um, So yeah, your life's not going to be what you thought it was going to be. But it's also, even if things go relatively well, it's not going to be what you thought it was going to be. And I think that there's especially... For me, and I think it's a it's a source of pain for me, but I want to be in control of my life. And whether I am responsible for the the course my life has taken or the choices that I've made or whatever it is, whether I am responsible for those things or not, I take responsibility for them. And um and uh and that has kind of been a recipe for unhappiness for me. Um, because the truth is there's so many things outside my control that happen in my life, right? For better, for the the good and the bad. There's so many things that have been a benefit to me that I had no control over, that I had no say in. There's been things that have been hurtful to me that I've had no control over. And I think a lot of us are going through this experience now with COVID, with coronavirus, that we're realizing, like my boss, like my former boss, you can do all the right things, and yet shit is fucked up. Like, something comes along and just fucking rips the fucking rug out from, you know, from under you. It could be a health diagnosis. It could be the health diagnosis of a family member. It could be getting hit and killed by a drunk driver. You know, things that you just have no fucking control over that just enter your life and fucking change everything. You know what I mean? And uh, so I think on a, on a macro level, I think coronavirus has been that for all of us. Um, and I think in a micro way, I think this job interview is one of them for me. Now, I, I own that I didn't do great in my job interview. But when I also try to think objectively, I think, you know, there's a part of me that wishes that that, in, that you know, who got the position was based more on uh, performance as well. And I don't know. Maybe the other people are, are fucking great, right? But, um, you know, if the world was fair, I think whatever sh- whatever shortcomings I had in my job interview, and there were some, um, should have been made up for by my performance that I make every day. But that's not the way life works. You know, these are multidimensional decisions and decisions are made for whatever reason they're made and you just don't get what you want. And uh, as I'm saying it, that sounds like a super obvious point to make. But uh, I just, it's something I try to remind myself about. You know, we're just not in control of our lives, you know, and they don't always turn out the way that we want. And that's hard. Um but I think that that's something that we all have to learn. And it's hard, you know, when you're younger and adults tell you that, it's very hard to hear. Um, yeah, I don't know. This sort of brings me back to this point that I, I forget how it came up for me in the last week, but I was thinking about this also. Uh, it may have been the Joe Rogan podcast with Ron Funches, actually. Is they were just sort of talking about success and working hard. And something that you hear people say is, you know, the people who will tell you that you can't do something are the people who didn't succeed. 
And that's a hard thing to hear because as somebody who's sitting here talking about, oh, your life's not going to turn out the way you want and you're not going to get everything you want, that feels true from my experience. But they were sort of saying, like, the only people who tell you that you can't succeed are the people who didn't. But they're two successful people. So I would argue you could, you, could, you could levy the same argument against them. Well, the people who tell you you can succeed are the people who did. Now, now it just is the case that some people succeed and some people don't. But let's say it's something like the lottery. And I, I know the lottery is probably not the best example because it's loaded. I mean, it's sort of we intrinsically think about it as sort of a fool's errand, right? But it is the case. If it, I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to think of something that's black and white. Like somebody will win and somebody will lose. And so, yeah, the people who lose the lottery will tell you, like, yeah, you're, you're not going to win the lottery. And, of course, the person who wins says, well, yeah, it was a long shot, but you got to fucking play to win. It's like, yeah, no, no, I get it. Uh, I guess at the end of the day, all we can do is the, – the only thing anyone can do is speak from their experience. But is it short-sighted of successful people to just sort of encourage people to continue doing something when it's like – I don't know. Is, is what I'm saying making sense? <clears throat> I think I'm just speaking to this idea that, you know, we want to take responsibility for our lives, like for better or worse. If bad things happen to us, you know, sometimes we can be too hard on ourselves by trying to take responsibility for the way that our lives turned out when maybe there are things that happened that we had no fucking control over. But maybe success is the same way. Like, of course you have to work hard. Of course you have to do X, Y, and Z. But maybe those are necessary but insufficient conditions for success. So even when people are successful, of course they can say, well, look, I did X, Y, and Z. And you say, and, but aren't there people who did those things too that weren't successful? Aren't there reasons that somebody is successful that are outside of their control? And the moral of the story is not give up. It doesn't matter, you know, or just live on a prayer. That's not what I'm saying either. I think for me, just as I get older, just trying to reconcile myself to this idea that there's so much of my life that I just, I have no, it certainly feels as I get older that there's so much of my life that I have no control over. I mean, in Chinese philosophy, when you read uh, Mencius, especially, I think, and probably in Confucius also, but says, you know, what the superior man does is just, you know, uh, he awaits his fate. You know, he doesn't lament over things he has no control over. What what he has control over is himself. You know, he can pursue pursue virtue. He can super, he can pursue virtuous living. He can cultivate um, his moral sense, and he can follow the way. He can live in a path of righteousness and benevolence. And if success comes from that, it's great. But if it doesn't, it doesn't either. It, it just it, it doesn't affect him either way. And I think it's kind of lame that I'm going back and rereading a bunch of stuff. I should be reading new stuff. But I think as I've been living with some disappointment recently, I think I've been trying to get back in touch with that kind of, uh, I don't know, probably console myself with this higher calling, the the sense that, yeah, things are disappointing today, but I'm actually committed to, uh, I'm committed to the long game of a different lifestyle. And even though my desires for myself are disappointed in the short term, I can still be a good person. I can still take stock of the things that I do have control over. I can still pursue my interests. And look, I'm lucky. I mean, me and my girlfriend were talking about this. I mean, we're both disappointed to some extent with our ability to advance in our current job positions, but at least we have jobs, right? I mean, there's there's so many people who can't say that. And, um, and, uh, so yeah, I don't know. It's hard. I mean, on the one hand, you want to be grateful for what you have. You want to acknowledge your disappointments. I mean, I think our disappointments are valid also, but at the same time, we're very lucky. And um, I don't know. Try not to lose sight of that too easily, I guess. So anyway, I don't know. This was a bit of a forced episode, I'll be honest with you. But uh, thankfully, I see us crossing the hour Excuse me. And I've stifled a lot of burps, and I apologize about that. You know, on the one hand, before the episode, I pour myself a glass of water because I want to, because uh, otherwise my my voice can get a little scratchy. But um, I also feel like it makes me burp. So, 
I don't know what the lesson is, is here, folks, but uh, this was a little bit of a forced one. I had I struggled getting through this one a little bit, but, uh, but that's okay. They're not all going to be home runs, and uh, and uh, we'll just pick it up next week and try to do better then. Um, what can I say? If you aren't already subscribed to the podcast, please do. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and take a moment, rate and review the show. Give us a five-star review, type a couple sentences about why you like the podcast, and uh, that stuff really helps. And think of one person in your life who you think would like the podcast and share your favorite episode with them. See, man, my voice is fucking cash. Oh, man. All right. <clears throat> I want to make sure my voice is clear for this one. I want to thank you for listening. I want to thank you for uh, listening to the podcast every week if you do. Um, yeah, they're not all great, but you know what? They're a lot better with you here. So let's keep that going. And uh, yeah, let's put a bullet in this bad boy and look forward to the next one. So until then, thank you for your time, thank you for listening, and ciao for now.